Well, good evening, Crossroads. How are we doing tonight? You're a chatty bunch tonight. This is awesome. Yeah. Let's go. Somebody's whistling, and I'm all here. I'm here for that energy tonight. That's great. Uh, hey, welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here tonight. Uh, my name is Craig, one of the pastors around here. And like Steve said, we are wrapping up this series that we have been in called The Names of God. And tonight, we talk about the name above all names. That would be the name of Jesus. Before we dive in, I want to pray. Um, and ask God to um, just move in, in powerful, powerful ways tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for this series that we've been in. We thank you, Jesus, that this series has been all about the names of God, the names of Yahweh, and the interactions that we have with this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everywhere God and all of these attributes that we've studied. And tonight, as we dive deep, Jesus, into the name above all names. I pray that every word that comes from my mouth would be exactly what you want to be heard here tonight, Jesus. That you would be glorified. That you would be lifted up. We love you. We ask you to have your way in our hearts here tonight, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so this, this message for me is, um, is one that's been sitting with me for a long time. I've had a holy discontent about something that has been happening in our world for quite some time and has actually been happening in, in the Western world, in, in really America, um, in the United States, for, for quite a while now. And it's something that has been stirring inside of me. And um, when this message came up and when I got to preach this message to our sermon prep team, um, it, it really felt like this was an opportunity uh, to be able to speak about something that has that has not been sitting well with me as a, as a pastor. For quite some time, um, over the past many years, we have seen some pretty high profile, um, pretty famous pastors fall from grace. We've seen some moral failing, we've seen some things that have happened that have truly rocked Christianity. And unfortunately, what it has also done, it, it has rocked the faith of Christians. And social media, has helped spotlight and pay even more attention to some of these issues. Names like Mark Driscoll, associated with the recent podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Carl Lentz from Hillsong. Various televangelists over the years. And most recently, Brian Houston, one of the founding pastors of Hillsong Church. You see, falls from grace and moral failings and questionable behavior that often surfaces in some of these most tragic situ situations. They're sad, and they're harmful, and they're a constant reminder that as pastors, as leaders in the church, the opportunity and necessity to lead from our knees, recognizing that this is about God and not about a platform, is so incredibly important. And I want to be so clear about this tonight with you. I want to be so, so clear with you, because two things can be true at one time, and there's two verses that I want to point to you tonight that are true at the exact same time. The first one is this, Romans 3.23, I know you know this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible that you read, the Bible that I read, and the Bible that I pulled this from right here, they all say that all have sinned. It doesn't say all have sinned except for pastors. It doesn't say all have sinned except pastors being a little less sinny. If that's a word, it's not. It showed up with a red squiggly line in my notes. It says all. It says all have sinned and all have fallen short 
of the glory of God. That includes me. That includes Pastor Chuck. That includes every pastor on our staff, as well as every pastor on every church staff across the entire world. That's how we qualify the word all. All have sinned. That's the common denominator of humanity. We all have sinned. And while that is true, there's also a verse that shows up in Scripture in James chapter 3, verse 1, that is true at the exact same time, and it's this. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. This is James, the brother of Jesus, and what he is doing is he is warning people to be very, very cautious. There shouldn't be very many teachers of the word among you because there's a stricter judgment that you will one day face. And so we hold that together along with the fact that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And these two things from a pastoral standpoint are absolutely true. Now please hear me right here. Hear me. Me framing this up is not a way to be a soft landing for I'm about to drop some moral failing on you in my life so I want grace. Don't crucify me like all these other people have been crucified. That's not what this is about. There is no plea from any perspective that says be a little less harsh with my shortcomings. Be a little less judgy of my shortcomings because I'm framing this up like that. That is, that is absolutely unequivocally not what this is about. That is not what this is about. As leaders, myself, Chuck, pastors on this staff, pastors around the world, we are held to a standard. And we know that one day we will be held to a stricter judgment. Because one day pastors across the world uh, past, present, and future will have to stand before God and provide an account for what they have done. That one day I will stand before God and I will have to provide an account fully knowing that because I signed up for this, that this is what awaits me right here. A stricter judgment. That's what awaits that we, this, this strict verdict, this stricter judgment means there's more scrutiny on a life, conduct, words, actions that are viewed on a different level as I will one day stand before God. And I hold that very seriously. And every single pastor will have to stand face to face with their creator and give an account, their account. And even in the midst of all that being true, pastors still fall. Leaders in the church still fail. And this is the holy discontent that I have. Because when this happens, not, notice I didn't say, if one day this will happen. It's when this happens. It's when there are pastors that, that fail morally. That there are things that come up. I've been around the church long enough, my entire life, to, in fact. My wife's been around it and seen it much more up close than I ever have. And I've heard so many horrifying comments 
Not comments like what you would expect. Not comments like, he's a pastor, I can't believe he would say that. He's a pastor, I can't believe he did that. You see, that shouldn't worry you from the perspective of the judgment that that pastor is going to have to go and give an account for one day. Because oftentimes it's easier to avert our eyes to somebody else. The things that scare me the most are things like this. Well, I don't really go to church anymore because um, there was this pastor this one time and you know what, it was, it was found out that he was doing some shady like financial embezzling on the side and I can't, I can't be a Christian, I can't be associated with that. Or it was discovered that there were a couple of pastors on staff at the church that I was going to and they had an affair with one another and that, that kind of moral failing, I don't know if I could ever step foot in a church ever again. Or, you know, I got pretty close with a team of people at a church, and I was serving every week, faithfully. I was there every week. And then there were some things that were going on that we heard about, and we just had to leave. And I, I, I just don't know if my relationship with God will ever be the same. It's those kinds of statements that shake me to my core as a pastor, knowing that there's a stricter judgment that awaits me because of the things that I communicate from here, understanding the need, the necessity, that if there's not proper caution when it comes to some of those statements, it's me that's gonna be held accountable for not issuing that warning. You might be asking, well, what warning is that? It's this warning. That if you have ever found yourself or you know somebody who has maybe uttered some of those words that I don't know that I could ever step foot back in that church or I don't know that I could ever be a Christian ever again because of the impropriety and some of the things that have happened, I just don't know if I could do that. Or that... That affair that happened with those two pastors on that staff, I just don't think that I could ever step foot into a church ever again. I actually am beginning to doubt that God was actually in any of those services, and therefore I just feel like my back is now turned against God. As one of your pastors here, I can assure you that that will not fly in your account as you stand before God. That one day you will stand before God Almighty. He will ask, what did you do with my son? Well, I mean, come on, God, you saw that. You saw, that, you saw what was going on in that church. You saw what that pastor did. You saw what those church leaders did. You saw this. You saw, you, I mean, come on. To which I really believe God would respond to you and say, that's their judgment. And I'll handle that one day. But what about you? 
And as a pastor, I don't know that I could ever preach another message without communicating this and the dire need of understanding that we live in a society today where nominal Christianity worships the person that stands up here. And that's a scary, scary thing. Humans aren't built for this. Humans aren't built for these massive platforms. And you see that. You see all of these things that have happened in so many examples. I've laid out many of them already. Humans aren't built for that. Only God can actually sustain that because what happens is when we put people on pedestals, we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed. None of us in here would actually agree that that person is perfect, but what happens is, is we buy into who they are. We buy into their messaging. We buy into what they are communicating. And I fully recognize that you're being like, dude, you're undercutting what you're doing up here right now. I fully believe that because this isn't about me. This isn't about anybody else who stands up on this platform. It has everything to do with God. And as Christians, we have to make sure that we are not setting people up on pedestals because we will be set up for disappointment. It will happen. Many of you know people that have said some of those examples that I've already stated tonight. And maybe you're in here tonight and maybe, maybe this is a second chance moment for you tonight where you're like, oh, all right, I'll, 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 go back, I'll go back to church, but I got my doubts. I got my doubts. I do want to acknowledge something, though. Because I don't want to glaze over this, this particular part right here. I recognize that a lot of these cases have included spiritual abuse. That there has been a weaponizing of power from pastors from the pulpit. That there have been extremely dangerous, manipulative people, even in the church world, And I want to say that if you've ever been a victim of any kind of abuse of any, time, any kind, spiritual abuse included, I want you to know that as one of your pastors, I will do whatever it takes to sit with you, to hear you out, to mourn with you, to grieve with you, to walk with you in this, to assist in any way possible I will do that. And I will assist in the journey of what it looks like to be able to forgive, to let go of resentment, to heal. And in the same way that I would sit with you in that hurt, I would sit with you in the healing process as well. Because if any of you want to take me up on the opportunity to sit with me and say, hey, years ago something happened and I, I want to work through this, and I would probably point you into the direction of some professionals that would help, but I would sit right there alongside you and, and sit with you in that. That's a promise. I would do that. But I wouldn't let it stop there, because I would never want that to be the reason why you would stand before God to go give your account, and that would be held against you, because that's where it all ended for you. That's where it all stopped with you. And so I don't want to glaze over this abuse portion. And I want you to hear that very clearly. And I want you to know that all of those things that have happened 
all of those circumstances that have happened in your life where you were treated unfairly, where you were a victim of a circumstance that was completely out of your control. I grieve with you, and I want to heal with you. But I also don't want to leave you right there. Because as one of your pastors here, I'm held to a stricter judgment. And anybody that's willing to hear that, you will stand before God one day and you will give your account. You see, the deeper issue with all of this is that people will walk away from their faith because of a person's failure, which actually is pointing to the evidence that their faith was more in the failed person than it was with the Lord. And the dangerous thing that's happening here for a long time is this, is that we will become so fixated, we will become so fixated on that hurt and that becomes our crutch. And today we look at a name, not a name that we would put up on a pedestal that would eventually fall, but we look at a name above all names, a name that is incomparable, a name that is unmatched, a name that is uncontainable, a name that is immovable. It's the name of Jesus. And for the last 2,000 years, let's be honest, no other name has been as recognizable, nor controversial, nor as powerful as the name of Jesus. And his movement and his ministry began and what actually has been estimated from that time when the first Christians had declared themselves Christians, there have been eight billion Christians over the course of history up to this point. And since 33 AD, since 33 AD, when we had our first Christians, there have been eight billion on the planet. And as it stands right now, the name of Jesus can be found in over 6,000 different languages. And on a concrete level of understanding, there has not been, nor will there ever be another name like the name of Jesus. There never will be. There never will be another name that creates controversy that will be as powerful or recognizable as the name of Jesus. And to you and I today, this name represents power and freedom and forgiveness and unconditional love. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about the name of Jesus in his letter to the, Ephesians, or to the Philippians. You ready? God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him, Jesus, the name above all other names. This is the name. And to you and I today, it's incredibly recognizable. We know. But 2,000 years ago, the name Jesus wouldn't have carried such significance, truly. While the name of Jesus carries special meaning because of the Jesus that you and I know, the name Jesus back then wasn't unusual. Jesus was actually a pretty common name back then. A first century Jewish historian named Josephus actually mentions 12 different people that he knew with the name Jesus, including four high priests. In Acts 9, we read of a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul mentions one of the workers that he's working alongside, Jesus. He was also called Justice. And throughout Scripture, you will actually see writers, they would identify people about whom they wrote, and they would actually declare whose son they were, and they would even declare what city they were from. And this helped people identify exactly who was being talked about. You and I, we read that in our Bible, and we're like, gosh, this is so boring. But people that were reading it back then, they'd be like, oh, you're talking about that Jesus. Oh, you're talking about that Paul. Oh, you're talking about that John. Oh, you're talking about that James. And it helps identify. And in John's gospel account, Jesus is inviting people to follow him and meets Philip. 
a man who would actually become one of his disciples. And look what's written in John chapter one, verse 45. It says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, just so there wasn't any ambiguity about which Jesus they were talking about. So that they knew, oh, no, no, no. It's the Jesus from Nazareth. It's the son of Joseph. That's who we're talking about. This is the guy. And of course, we would begin to see that he was really, it was Joseph's adopt, it was his adopted son. That Joseph was his adoptive father. Jesus was a common name. He was identified as the Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And while the name Jesus is common, it's still very intentional for Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Check this out. The name Jesus in the Greek is actually this word right here. That's an I right there. That's a capital I. And this right here, it's pronounced Isus. Isn't that funny? Isus. That's how you pronounce that right there. In Aramaic, what Jesus would have actually, uh, what he would have uh, spoke in Aramaic, the name Jesus actually is Yesu. Yesu. And so both names actually derive from a Hebrew name, Yeshua. You ready? This is awesome. Yeshua or Joshua, right there. Joshua is made up of two parts. His name, the name Joshua, is made up of two parts, which is where we get the name Jesus. It's Yah, which is short for Yahweh. Y'all have seen that name the last few weeks, haven't you? Right there, absolutely. And then you've got Hosea, which means salvation. So you've got two names, Yahweh, salvation, which of course means this, that Yeshua or Yahweh is salvation. Which still actually doesn't make the name special because everybody named Jesus, this is what it meant right here. Well, people walking around, well, Yahweh of salvation, that's my name. Yeah, I'm, I'm Yahweh of salvation, that's my name. I'm walking around with the name, Yahweh of salvation, that's my name. Why is that not? There's actually two more Joshua's found in the Old Testament. We got Joshua, son of Nun. And he actually leads the Israelites into the promised land. And we see that Joshua's life is actually marked by amazing leadership. And there's this powerful moment in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, where we recognize that Joshua actually leads his, his, the Israelite people into the promised land for rest. But it would only be temporary rest. Because if you want true, eternal rest with God for eternity, we look at Hebrews chapter four, it says, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, we're talking about this eternal rest, we're talking about this, this being together with God forever, God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest waiting for the people of God, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So even this Joshua, even this Yahweh is salvation, is not truly Yahweh is salvation as you and I know it. 800 years later, we would meet another man. We would meet a guy, a high priest by the name of Jeshua, which comes from the same Hebrew name of Joshua. And in the book of Zechariah, who's a prophet and a priest, he actually has this vision, and there's this man, Yeshua, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan's right there in this vision, and he's, he's accusing this, this high priest, Yeshua, and he's just covered in complete filth from head to toe. The word there is actually excrement. He's covered in it. He stinks. And here's Satan accusing him, be like, you can't redeem that. 
you can't redeem this. There's no salvation possible for this. And yet the angel of the Lord goes to Yeshua and says, I declare you clean. I declare you holy. Your, my grace is sufficient for you. But here's what we know about this. Because those two names mean Yahweh is salvation. But as you know, as we've studied throughout this series, it's not the name that carries meaning, but it's the person behind the name that carries all the meaning. And Jesus would actually be this person. Jesus would be this person. It's this Jesus who would actually be more than just in name, salvation. The Jesus that you and I know. The Jesus that you and I read about in scripture. And maybe you're thinking, who cares? So what? So we learned, we broke down the name, and it's this cool thing that Yahweh is salvation. Big deal. Why does all this matter here? Why is this all such a big deal? Why should I care about all this? It's this. It's that humanity has a big problem on their hands. Humanity has a massive problem in their hands. And we see that much of that has happened because what we have done in response is we've put the wrong people, the wrong names, up on the pedestal. We have made other people famous and we haven't made the name of Jesus famous. Jesus is too controversial, but I could probably tuck in real nice and tight behind this guy and when he falls, everybody falls with him because our faith is founded in some of these people, not found in the one true name, the name above every other name. You see, this problem that we experience, it's bigger than any political divide, it's bigger than any climate change, world wars, social justice, bigger than any hot button issue, past, present, or future. The problem is this, we often find ourselves getting caught up in meaningless fights where there is actually being a real war being waged for your soul and my soul. That is what is at stake here. All of the things that we show up on Twitter and CNN and Fox News and all that hot garbage that shows up every night, none of that matters because there is a real war being waged for your soul. And how this all gets shook out at the end all depends on how we view which name we will align ourselves with. And if we don't align ourselves with the name above every other name, we will find ourselves looking at a list that has names of all humanity titled people that have let us down. Your name's on it, my name's on it, your best friend's name is on it, your mom's name is on it, your husband's name is on it, your kid's name is on it. Everybody's name will be found on this list titled people who have let you down. And if you really wanna look at a list where it says people that will never let you down, there's only one name, and that's the name above all other names, and it's Jesus. The Apostle Paul found himself fighting an absolutely meaningless battle. He was persecuting Christians. He actually went rogue, and these are my words. These are my words right here. What he did was he made it about God when he was Saul. This is pre-conversion Paul, this is Saul when he was persecuting Christians. And I believe that he bought into the scary narrative of, I don't need the church, I just need God. I don't need those people. I got my own agenda and I'm out here to crucify and I'm gonna go lead a crusade and I'm gonna go arrest all these stupid Christians and all these different things and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna show these guys. I've even got a letter that allows me to go arrest people. This is exactly what's happening here. And oftentimes I find so many Christians saying that exact thing. I can't step foot in that church again or any church whatsoever. I don't need the church. I just need Jesus 
I don't need the church. The church is the church is imperfect. The church is full of sinners. Yeah, you'd fit right in. That's why I'm here. Because <laughs> I fit right in here. And too often, we cast our judgment. It's not our judgment to cast. We will stand one day. We will face our judgment one day. It's not our judgment to pass. It's not our judgment to sit there and pass off on people. Paul recognizes this. He has this radical conversion where he's on his way basically clarifying and demanding that he's bigger and better than all that stuff and he's got his own agenda and he's out to let anybody know about this agenda. He soon realizes that there's so much more at stake and God gets a hold of his life and he recognizes that the meaningless battles that he was fighting here on earth paled in comparison to what was actually going on a war being fought for his soul. Look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. It says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual, uh, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As a society, as a Western world, we tend to major in the minors. We tend to get so caught up in the things that actually don't matter at all. We do, we're so good at that. We're so good at just belaboring a tiny little offense. This means we put too much emphasis on the wrong things and Paul's imploring his readers, you and I today, to see the spiritual strongholds that try to grip us and pry us from the hands of El Shaddai, almighty God that we've talked about in this series. And we allow that, we buy into stuff all the time. Peoples, ideas, ideologies, they distract us all the time. One of the most powerful sections of scripture is found in Romans chapter eight, verses 35 to 39. If you ever wondered, what is it out there that would actually be able to separate me from God? This passage is for you because it says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have any trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day with being slaughtered like sheep? No. There is nothing that could separate you. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Check this out. And I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell could separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below, indeed nothing and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is it right here. The end of verse 39, this is the crux of it all. It's the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is what is at stake here, is what do we believe about this name right here? That's it. That's the question that we will face when we stand face to face with God. What did you do with that? What did you do with that? You know what God probably also wouldn't be impressed with? Well, I know his name. I know it means Yahweh of salvation. And he'll say, but did you believe it? Did you believe in that 
name because humanity's fight is not of this physical world but of the spiritual world. Our biggest, most significant question will be what will you do with the most powerful name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus, which means Yahweh is salvation. What will you do with that? In a couple of weeks, we're kicking off a 19-week series. Somebody asked me, how many months is that? I still haven't come up with the right answer. I have no idea. We're starting a 19-week series, and it's titled, You Believe That? That's the series. You Believe That? And what we're doing is we're actually taking our congregation through an interview that we have on our staff here when we are getting ready to potentially hire uh, uh, possible candidates for positions, and we put them all through what we call a theology interview. And people have an opportunity to share their theology, what they believe about doctrinal issues that just span the spectrum, all over, all over the spectrum from the Trinity to homosexuality and everything in between. And in a couple weeks, I'll get to preach on the person of Jesus. I get to preach on the person of Jesus, but I wanted to address this particular issue right now as we discuss his name. You see, our biggest struggle in the midst of this war that is waged for your soul and my soul, I've said it once, I'll say it again, it's all dependent on what you view the name Jesus to be. Are you willing to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus, confessing that he is the Lord of your life? Are you willing to submit yourself to his teaching, his words, his call, his commitment? Because believe this, there's a lot of people from all walks of life and religions that believe that Jesus was a good person. There's religions out there that believe that Jesus was God's son, that he was a great teacher, an exemplary humanitarian, a defender of the poor, an extraordinary preacher, a powerful name. Even the demons knew his name. Even the demons knew his name. But it requires more than just knowing his name. It's about believing in that name, that you believe in him, you believe in salvation that only comes from him, that his name is the name above all names. It's why Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among by men which we must be saved. And that's it right there. There's no other name. Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name. There will never be another name. And it doesn't matter if other people drag that name through the mud. It doesn't matter what other people do with that name because it's not your account that you will stand before God. It's not, it's not the other person's account that you will have to give as you stand before God. It has got to be your account, which begs the question, what will you do with that name? And in a room this size, and people watching online, Maybe you've found yourself living an entire life that it's never been about that name. It's been about other names. Maybe you've been distracted because people who said that they were about that name have fallen short. 
And what that has done is it's caused a callousness in your heart and a bitterness and a resentment that you need to let go of because it's not the other person's account you're going to have to give. It's going to have to be your account. And maybe tonight is a night where you need to set the account straight with God right here, right now. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. That if you need to say yes to that name, if you need to submit yourself to God tonight, to the one true name, Jesus, the name above all names. I invite you to do that. There's no other appeal that I probably could ever have than in this moment. That would be more important than you saying yes to this name. Don't walk out of here tonight without saying yes to that name or coming back to that name. And so if that's you, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I invite you to pray this prayer right where you're at. It's not a fancy prayer. It's just a prayer that says, God, you're God and I'm not and I need healing. I need forgiveness, I need love and that's only seen through the name above all names, through the one Jesus who went to a cross and died for your sins and my sins and death couldn't hold him down and he lives today and he lives forevermore. Where we see the embodiment of Yahweh is salvation. So if that's you, you want to say yes to him, would you pray this prayer right where you stand? Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open up my heart to you. I open up my life to you. I say yes to the name above all names. So Jesus, Fill me with your love. Give me the life that you want me to live. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So, what's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.